What's up, fight fans? Welcome to the UFC 227 post-fight show. My name's Flying Brian J. Thank you so very much for joining me. You guys are my co-hosts. So my first question to you is what post-fight rating would you give the entire card UFC 227 that happened in Los Angeles, California? What just happened was TJ Killshot Dillashaw put Cody No Love Garbrandt away in the very first round via standing TKO before that. Demetrius, Mighty Mouse Johnson, lost via split decision to hashtag and new Henry the Messenger Cejudo. And the rest of the fights were pretty damn good as well. I'm going to give the post-fight rating for the entire night of fights a 4 out of 5. It Basically, I came into this event expecting nearly nothing. And I got a lot. Discombobulated Tomato says they gave it a 2 out of 10. Rob Avon says he's here with the Golden Watch, which I don't know what that means exactly. Rob Avon says he would give the fight card a big 5. He's in a really good mood tonight. I don't know why Discombobulated Tomato's not in a good mood. And Ingmar Calzadilla says, why gonna out the fight? I don't know what that means exactly. But yeah, I'm sticking with a 4 out of 5. My pre-fight rating was a 2.4, so it just really exceeded it. Let's talk about what happened in the main event, then the co-main event, then the fight that happened before that, and then we'll get into our WTF of the card. So keep in mind what you would say was a what-the-fuck moment for this entire night of fights. Josh Sanchez gave it a 5 out of 5, baby. All right, maybe I'll give it a 5 too. I just... Uh... It was really fucking fun. The main event, uh, Cody No Love Garbrandt, you know, he cracked TJ Dillashaw with a right hand. And it seemed to hurt TJ a little bit. So what did he do? He came forward with a wild technique, trying to go with the right hand again, but he didn't have his left blocking his face as he did that. And so TJ Dillashaw hit him with his own right hand, dropped him, and then proceeded to just waylay on him until Herbus Dinas, the referees, decided to call a stop to the contest. Now, I know Cody No Love was standing during this TKO finish. He protested the stoppage a little bit, but he took, I'm guessing here, 25 unanswered shots where he wasn't defending them. Okay, so... Uh, Camel K says, spoiler alert, I spoiled the fight. If you and, and I know that Luke Thomas does this where he's like, if you don't want spoilers, you have five, four, three, to to get the fuck out of here. I don't I don't uh, agree with his style of doing that because if you click a link that says post fight show, you gotta believe we're gonna talk about the fights that just happened. Do not click post fight show if you don't want the results to the show, the fights that just happened, you know, just common sense. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for it. MMA Grant says, do you think the DJ fight was called correctly? We'll get to the co-main event, um, the flyweight title fight in a second. But let's talk about the main event while we're here still. And then I'll tell you how I scored Henry Cejudo versus Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. So after TJ closed the show on Cody again, uh, the Naked Gambler on Twitter said that the same sequence that's, that ended up getting Cody stopped in the first fight, he did it on three consecutive times in this one, and that's what got him stopped again. So he's not showing very much fight IQ. And, uh, yeah. But one weird thing was, so... Joe Rogan, John Anik, and Daniel Cormier, love all those guys. They were talking about, is TJ Dillashaw... The greatest bantamweight of all time. And I don't agree with that. I mean, I, he's got one consecutive title defense now since he took the belt from Cody Garber. And he had some title defenses after he took the belt from Henan Barrow. Uh, but he lost to Dominic Cruz before Dominic Cruz lost to Cody Garbrandt. If you want to be able to call him the greatest of all time, I feel like he needs to beat Dominic Cruz. I just feel like it's premature. I think that the mixed martial arts world as a whole, do you agree with me, guys, in my next statement? Josh, I'm asking you particularly, Jeff Parker, Discombobulated Tomato. Do you think that we overuse the term GOAT? 
Oh, this guy's the goat. That guy's the goat. Uh, fucking, we're Oprah out here. Everybody's the goat. You get a goat. You get a goat. You get a goat. You get a fainting goat. Don't scare it. It'll pass out. I just, like, okay. We, we throw that out way too much. But what's next for TJ Dillashaw after knocking out his former teammate the second time in a row? Uh, as Rob Amon says, uh, Dillashaw should fight Marlon, Magic Marlon Marais. Magic Marlon Marais. Uh, I love that idea. I love that fight. I also would like to see Dominic Cruz fight TJ Dillashaw. Maybe TJ could beat Dom Cruz and then, you know, maybe solidify himself as the greatest bantamweight of all time. Yeah, Josh agrees with me. Thank goodness. That's just fucking like everybody's to go. You know, it's not just mixed martial arts thing. It's all sports. We want to throw around. He's fucking, there's goats all over the place. Can't we just appreciate each champion as as a champion, not consider them, not compare them to legions of other fighters from different eras and stuff like that. I just think, think beep. Rob Amos says the Cruz is retired. Right. Yeah, Josh. So, yeah. So, but Marlon Marais versus, especially coming off that head kick knockout of Jimmy Altera Rivera. Fuck, man. That'd be such a fun fight with him and TJ Dillashaw. I would also like for TJ Dillashaw to fight Dominic Cruz again. Whatever. It was a fantastic performance. I I think he's going to get a post-fight bonus, an extra $50,000. Um, but let's talk about the co-main event of the evening, as I forget who wanted me to do that a little bit ago. Uh, Dave Kula said, wait, Dave Kula says, I think if you look at pure skill, he's the best bantamweight ever, but the resume doesn't match yet. I mean, yeah. The sport is not evolving, but it's changing. And we're getting people that have trained in, in martial arts and mixed martial arts since they were teenagers. Where back in the day, people used to just train karate until they were like 25. And then we're like, oh, I'm going to fight now. This is a completely different era of a fighter, so people are becoming more well-rounded. Their skill sets are different than they used to be, and things like that. So, anywho, you can't compare fighters from era to era. It's like comparing Michael Jordan and, and LeBron James. Let's stop it. Let's just appreciate them for what they were. Kids that are 11 years old now are always going to think that LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan because they didn't watch Michael Jordan in his prime. They didn't actually experience the the basketball games that Michael Jordan was in at that time. It's like people that say they're glad they didn't purchase a pay-per-view when the fight was only like 50 seconds long. Or like this main event here where it was stopped uh, fucking very early on in the first round, this main event, wasn't it? What was the official time? About 46 seconds to go in the first round, I guess. Okay, so about four minutes and 14 seconds into the fight, it was stopped. And a lot of people say, well, I just watched the GIF or the Instagram video of the fight afterward, and I'm glad I didn't purchase the pay-per-view. It's completely different, man. Experiencing the the sport, the um, whatever it is, an event, at the time that it happens, it's important to like experience it as it happens so you can get that butt, pucker, butt puckering, heart pounding feeling that you get from watching sporting events. And so I think that, you know, diff anyway, different eras, different fighters, you can't really compare them because, one, they're never going to fight each other, like comparing The Flash and Batman. Well, I think The Flash would win. My cousin thinks Batman would win. But nonetheless, John M., uh, Faber's career is still better than TJ's, given the time TJ may surpass Faber, but not yet. Joe Wright says, I agree that Dillashaw needs to defend against Cruz before GOAT talk. Absolutely. But okay, what's next for TJ Dillashaw? Yeah, Josh answers. You must experience the spectacle to really appreciate it. And I think you must um, experience it in real time or as as close to real time as you can possibly get. Like my stream's always 45 seconds behind. Doesn't matter. It's in real time for me without any spoilers. So MMA Grant ha has a Sun Sao earned the next title shot as he has four consecutive wins, or should it go to Cruz? I think it should go Cruz first, and then Marlon Marais, and un unfortunately, a Sun Sao's, you know, down there a ways, because TJ recently defeated a Sun Sao, and so he's in the back of the line, sort of, at the top of it. But what's next for TJ? It could be Marlon Marais, could be Dominic Cruz, it could be Henry the Messenger Cejudo, because he defeated Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson in the co-main event via split decision. I saw a ton of people talking about robbery. Uh, I even got a DM from 
a guy that works for another another website asking me if I could give a what my score was and a small explanation because he's going to try to capitalize on this uh, kind of drama about the main event scoring being controversial. And he just messaged me and he had it 48-47 uh, for Demetrius Mighty Johnson. I scored the fight 48-47 for Henry the Messenger Cejudo, and it comes down to the swing round, which I believe was the second stanza of this bout. And if we just look at the stats, total strikes landed 30 for Demetrius Johnson, 15 for Cejudo, significant strikes 14 for Johnson, 10 for Cejudo. The entire fight, Cejudo's strikes seemed to be, uh, at least the punches, they had a lot more pop to them than Johnson's did. And Zuhudo was the much larger man inside of that cage. And then toward the end of the round, Zuhudo secured a takedown. And he had a minute 16 of top control time toward the end of the round. And, and like some, when I score fights, I'm trying to think of what, what are the actual judges going to score it. Like it's not just my score. I'm trying to predict what the judges score. Because my score, I don't really fucking care about my score. I could score it... Uh, 50 to 9 for or something, you know? It's a 10-point must. So the winner must get 10. The uh, loser of the round gets 9 or less. So I could go fucking 50 to 5 if I really wanted. My score doesn't fucking mean beans. Sorry for cursing so much. Uh, because whatever I score it is not going to influence the actual bout. So what I try to do is predict what the judges gave it. And with Cejudo getting the top control... For over a minute, at the end of the round, I thought the, that's going to be the lasting effect in their mind, and so Hudo's going to get that round awarded to him. I don't think that what Johnson did prior to that takedown and control was enough to... It wasn't substantial enough to nullify that later on control by Cejudo. So I gave round two to Cejudo, and I ended up giving him two, four, and five. And five was maybe the most definitive round for him because he did have two takedowns um, and even less top control. And the strikes were 19 to 19, but then the two takedowns, and there you, there you have it. In this bout, there were some really cool things that, that happened. And at the very beginning, Cejudo ate a, a calf kick from Johnson that made his lower leg like just go all... It, it went on the fritz, and he couldn't walk for a second. And I was seeing shades of Jamie Varner and... Uh, James Krause from 2014, or Michael Chandler, I believe it was against, uh, I forget against who. But then, and Johnson kept attacking with those low kicks a lot in Cejudo's corner after round one and two, told him very specifically, dude, we need you to start checking those low kicks because he's going to chew you up with it. And what Cejudo did, not only did he start checking those low kicks, but he was switching stances. He would fight out of southpaw a lot, and to great effect, he would fight out of orthodox quite a bit as well. Um, and whenever uh, Johnson came in with an attack, as Cejudo had the range on him, Johnson would come in with an attack, and if he didn't get in and out quick enough, Cejudo would lock in a body lock and then go for that inside trip takedown that he got Johnson down with quite a few times. I can't remember which round it was. I believe it was round number three. Johnson hit two Grambies. So he just took the momentum from Cejudo's takedown and rolled him over, got on top briefly, and then got back away from it. And it was a it was a really, really fun bout. I think that it probably is going to get awarded fight of the night. I can't think of anything that could surpass it off the top of my head. Santos versus Holland was good. Munoz versus Brett Johns was good, but I think the co-main event here, Cejudo becoming uh, the, only the second UFC flyweight champion in the history of time, I think that that's going to get the the uh, Fight of the Night award. All right, let's get to your comments. So I went on a long rant there, wanted to get all, everything off my chest, now, now I'll go uh, get your thoughts on that fight. Uh a few people have asked me why I didn't do a live stream for the pay-per-view portion of this fight card. Uh, I didn't think it was a big enough fight card. That, you know, Only the top two fights, maybe top three fights, would have really warranted me to do that live stream. But I'm, since I'm seeing so many people that really wanted that, the live stream, play-by-play -play for me, I should really consider doing it for all of them. So I'll take that into consideration. Uh, Dave Kula says, TJ versus Cejudo on New Year's, Dom versus Marais when Dom is healthy. Rob Amon says, I, 
I think there should be a rubber match between DJ and Cejudo. Josh Sanchez says Cejudo absolutely won that fight. In a fight that was relatively even, those takedowns were the biggest difference. Most dominant moments came from Cejudo throughout. Absolutely agree. And MMA Grant says too close to be a robbery. Absolutely. So fight fans, mixed martial arts, fight fans, sports. You know, we talk about throwing out the GOAT term, the GOAT moniker way too often. Robbery is thrown around like a loose woman. Uh, that was that was horrible. I take that back. They're thrown around like candy at a parade. Just too many of them. It was a super close fight. You cannot call it a robbery. But to go on with MMA Grant's comment, he gave it to DJ. Split decision was so close. I just think that you have to definitively beat the champ to become the champ. Yeah. And I, I thought about that while they were reading the scores. Yeah. I mean. But that right there gives me reason to believe that they should do the rubber match like immediately. And people often talk about Demetrius Johnson's fights are not that fun. And they talk about he's a boring champion and everything. This fight was hella exciting. Uh, Demet- not Demetrius. Daniel Cormier was talking about how his heart was just racing after watching that fight and after the post-fight speeches. Where in the post-fight speech, Henry Cejudo called out the winner of Dillashaw versus Garbrandt. And we'll get to that if we're going to actually match him up with that. Um, and then after that, after he talked to Joe Rogan, then Demetrius Johnson got on the microphone and was hella humble. Said he wasn't surprised by anything. Said hats off to Cejudo. And after this, he's just going to go home and, and love his family, play video games. And he's got a third kid on the way. Hella humble post-fight interview by Demetrius Johnson. The Sky on Fire says, wow, title fights delivered big time. Worth staying awake until 6 a.m. Insane sport. It must be from the U.K. or Europe. So, yeah, man. I think the the top two, three fights were well worth staying awake until 6 a.m. If I were you. It's 12.30 my time, but that's a different story. Rob Amon says, uh, give Cejudo a trilogy first before talking about any jumps to 135. Dave Kula says, for me, watching a fight and scoring fights are different things. I have... I had the mouse ahead, but my... Con- oh, he had the mouse ahead, but my concern wasn't the judges would get it wrong. It was... It's that I was wrong. Yeah. Cejudo won with his grappling. Josh Sanchez says, I hope to do Cejudo 3 as the headliner of a fight night or ESPN Plus event in Mexico City. Good idea. Dos de Guzman says, should TJ fight Dom Cruz or Henry? I, th- I you know We've already been over that. I think TJ should fight Cruz or Marlon Marais. Guy McDaniel. Oh, he depends on my stream. Shoot, sorry, man. Yeah, yeah. MMA Grant, if there were a rubber match, I think I should come before he moves up. He thinks the rubber match should come before he moves up a weight class. Keep the division moving forward if he wants to move up vacate. Well, what's next for TJ Dillashaw? No, what's next for Demetrius Johnson? I don't know. I think that the only option for him is an immediate rematch. There's nobody else in the flyweight division that do we think could contend with him other than Henry Cejudo, I think that we definitely should give Demetrius Johnson that immediate rematch, and I do not think that Henry Cejudo is about to get um, a super fight or a 135-pound title shot after after this bout. As we've been saying, you have to kill the king to be able to become the king. He split decision the king. He didn't kill him. So I think what we do for both Demetrius Johnson and Henry Cejudo, they fight each other again. As Josh said, maybe the headliner of uh, ESPN Plus event in 2019 and and yeah we already talked about what's next for Cejudo let's talk about unless you guys want to keep talking about the main event you got questions about it we can keep rolling on that I think I scrolled all the way down so we're on the new comments yeah let's talk about Hinata Moicano finishing Cub Swanson with the rear naked choke at 415 of round number one then we're going to get into some WTFs of the card uh, this bout was kind of, before the finishing sequence happened, it was kind of a, a typical Hinata Moicano versus Cub Swanson type of fight. Or it's a typical Hinata Moicano fight because he's the longer guy. He's got sharp, straight punches that keeps the these these older kind of 
powerful punchers, but they have more looping shots, like Cub Swanson. Keeps them at bay with movement and these long strikes. And what started the beginning of the end was Hanato hit Cub Swanson square in the face with a like a very sharp jab. It reminded me of when Donald the Cowboy Cerrone put Edson Barbosa down before finishing him with a rear naked choke, I believe. Very similar. Put him down, got on top of Cub Swanson. Swanson gave up the back. He wasn't even under the chin. He was across the chin was under the chin, he was across the chin, across the face, and was able to get Cub Swanson to submit. Um, Robert Amon says Cub Swanson should mold retirement. And if you listen to interviews with, I believe, MMA junkie John Morgan on the MMA Roadshow, he had an interview with Cub Swanson, and he was asked him questions like, how do you feel about the UFC putting you against these younger guys? And Cub's like, yeah, I guess um, I'm kind of relegated myself to understanding that I'm in the gatekeeper position and I'm not even thinking about ever getting a title shot again. You know, I'm not really worried about getting a title shot. I'm just here to get a paycheck uh, for my family and uh, I guess I'll, I'll be a gatekeeper. And just based on his interview, you thought you should have thought to yourself, yeah, lay, lay the fucking house on Hanato Moicano because Cub Swanson's heart's just not in it. So what's next for him? Perhaps retirement. He's on a three-fight losing streak. But they're to killers. Some really good fighters, right? So this one against Hanato, the one before that against Frankie Edgar, and before that against Brian Ortega. All three of those guys are like top five. So no harm in that. Maybe maybe not retirement. Maybe we give him another guy on the level of like Artem Lobov. But even fighting those lower kind of tier fighters, Cub Swanson has not finished a fight since 2013 he had four decisions in a row in, in 2016 early 2017 but he has not won a fight via stoppage since 2013 against dennis siever yikes what's next for Hinato moicano josh sanchez is is nailing it right now he said Chad Mendez versus Hinato Moicano. And I think that's a fantastic fight. I either thought Chad Mendez or Jose Aldo because we don't really know what to do with Jose Aldo either. I mean, he's beat almost everybody. He's not going to get a title shot. Uh, perhaps I said Aldo after be beating Stevens with that ripping left hook to the liver. Should fight Anthony Pettis at 155 pounds, so that's an option. Uh, I thought that Jose Aldo versus Hinata Moicano makes a lot of sense. Chad Mendez versus Moicano makes a lot of sense. And also, no, I saw some people saying to give Moicano the winner of Zabit Magomed Sharapov versus Yair El Pantera Rodriguez. I don't like that. I think that Moicano is like at least one notch above Zabit and Yair. And I just don't like. I don't think that Moicano needs to step that far down. So either the former champ Aldo or Mendez. MMA Grant says Cub was so awkward when he lost and Hinato bowing down to him. Mad respect. Dave Kula says, I don't think Cub should retire, but definitely should move down the competition ladder. Like, really far down. I think Rob Amon suggests that maybe Swanson should fight the oh, the loser of Rodriguez versus Zabit. I think that that's going to be Rodriguez. Uh, so perhaps. Maybe even further down. Just give this guy fun fights. Give him showcase fights on the prelims of something. But I don't think we can expect too much. Too mu yeah, damn right, Josh. Josh says that we're both on Moicano versus Mendez and Aldo versus Pettis. I like that. I like those two fights a lot. But let's get into some WTFs of the card. I've got some written down. I'm gonna just going to spit mine out there to you. And as I'm doing that, you guys get ready to tell me what yours were. Okay, the first what the fuck of the card was very early on, Montel Jackson versus Ricky Simon. As Montel Jackson was making his way to the octagon, John Anik informed us that Montel Jackson met up, or he met Francis Ngannou this week, and they put their hands like this on each other, and the bantamweight, Montel Jackson, has bigger hands, longer hands, than... Fucking Francis Ngannou. That, what the fuck? 
Wow, that is very, very surprising. And in that fight against Ricky Simon, which Ricky Simon won via decision, Simon went for a lot of takedowns. Ooh, we got a new subscriber. Thanks, Dose or Dose de Guzman. There were many times where Ricky Simon had his hands clasped together, and Montel Jackson used his gigantic mitts to just grab the arm of Simon and move it away from him. And he held it like way out here a few times and then would punch him while holding his hand. And Ricky Simon was like shaking the shit out of it, couldn't get his hand away from the gigantic mitt of Montel Jackson. I'm going to use my what the fucks of the card to parlay into talking about each one of those fights. So in that bout, very early on, Jackson was having the longer strikes and Ricky Simon was having... It's Ricky Simon, right? Was having trouble uh, closing the distance and he would do a lot of shifting of his shoulders and you know would come with like a shovel uppercut to close the distance to get in on the takedown. He would press Montel Jackson up against the fence, but Jackson would use that gigantic mitt to ward off the takedown attempt. But as the fight went on, Jackson started to slow and Simon basically embraced the grind and he was able to get his hands clasped under the butt, lift Jackson up, and put him on the mat. And even if Jackson got right back to his feet, boom, again, up and down. And I think it was in the third round, Ricky Simon used a leaping in, like I said, uh, close the distance, leaping in, like shovel uppercut, hook, shovel hook, that kind of hurt Montel Jackson. And that was basically the story of that fight. My what the fuck number two was Kevin Holland talking shit while eating ground and pound from Tiago Santos. And actually, I wrote that down. And then after a bit, we learned that they isolated the audio from Kevin Holland. And he was saying things like, this sucks. Why are you hitting me so hard? Ow, ow, ow. Well, just eating some vicious ground and pound from Tiago Santos. What the fuck? That's strange. I like it, though. Also, what the fuck goes to Kevin Holland for being so incredibly calm and loose in there while getting his ass beat by a terrifying man? I cannot believe how someone could have such... Oh, thanks for subscribing, Ozzy ASMR. Multi-layered. Did I miss one, too? And Mr. Grant Gregory, thank you for subscribing. The comic book lad, thank you for subscribing. All of you. Appreciate it so much. I just can't believe how somebody could be so calm while in the midst of a battle of fisticuffs. Just blows my mind. What the fuck? Alright, let's get to yours. I'm sure you've given some. What's up, Ryan J? No problem for being late. Uh, Dave Kula's What the Fuck the Card goes to J.J. Aldrich versus Pollyanna Viana being on the main card. Yeah. That kind of gets a what the fuck, yeah. Definitely. Dosta Guzman says the Holland fight was interesting. We talked about that. Uh, well, I didn't talk about... We didn't talk about that entire fight, Holland versus... Santos, but Josh Sanchez says is what the fuck the card is them putting the belt on TJ upside down. Do you mean on Cejudo? So let's talk about that. Yeah, that was a what the fuck of the card. It, and there were many what the fuck moments in that little sequence. So when they put the belt on Henry Cejudo, it was upside down. And Joe Rogan says, hey, let's get that belt put right side up. So he like unstrapped the belt and like flipped it over, but then he didn't like strap it back for him. So the belt was upside down. Then he puts it on right side up, but didn't didn't uh, actually strap it. So Suhudo's just kind of holding it here, and like awkwardly for a minute, and then decided to drape it over his shoulder. It was all all was just was what the fuck. It was really strange. That was a strange moment. Absolutely, it was. Ryan J wants to know. <laughs> MMA Grant says the putting the belt upside down was passive-aggressive from Dana White. <laughs> I don't know if Dana White had the forethought about that. It was just an accident, I'm sure. Now, Dana, Dana is all about his brand in the UFC and making money and shit, right? So he would not do a blunder that would... You know, He wants his logo right side up, I'm guessing. He wants it proper. Uh, but yeah. What's next for Tiago Marreta Santos, a top 10 opponent? Okay, I wrote this down. Um, so in the post-fight interview after defeating Kevin Holland, where in that bout, it was pretty even on the feet at times. 
but Santos was able to get takedowns a lot and then control Holland on the ground and even laid on some really good ground and pound. There was a moment in the very first round where Santos got the fight to the ground and Holland went for a flying umaplata attempt and then went for an armbar attempt off his back and it was really wicked. I almost thought he was going to have that umaplata attempt and Holland's jiu-jitsu skills are really, really good. Santos had him in, in multiple triangle choke attempts and couldn't lock it in because Holland won so relaxed he was able to just squirm his way out of it. Very impressive, but basically the takedowns and the ground and pound got it done for Mareta Santos. In the post-fight interview, he said that he wants he's going to stay ready. He wants to be considered as an alternate for any middleweight fight happening at UFC 230, which uh, includes Adesanya versus Derek Brunson, Yoel Romero versus Paulo Borrachina Costa, and Chris Weidman versus Luke Rockhold. So there's an option there. Uh, but since he said that he wants on that card, let's make that fucking card just so middleweighted that we can't even hold one more middleweight fight and have Tiago Santos fight Brad Tavares. They're very close in the rankings. I think Moretta on Tapology is the 15th and Brad Tavares is 12th. He's coming off of a loss to Adesanya, Adesanya. And I think that bout makes a lot of sense. Brad Tavares versus Tiago Santos. That's what I would like to see next. What do you think, guys? Any, any takers? Any feedback on that? Rob Amon says Santos versus Leota Machida, but can't do that because Leota Machida is in Bellator now. Huh. Shoot. Ho oh, Wellsies. Let's keep on trucking down this card. So we've covered Santos versus Holland and Simon versus Jackson. So before Moicano versus Cub Swanson, somebody said that what the fuck the card was J.J. Aldrich versus Pollyanna Viana being on the main card there. This fight came down to Aldrich hit Viana with a lot of long punches that Viana just didn't defend. She Aldrich would hit her with a jab to the face, a lot of those, and uh, Viana would try to clinch, and she was doing kind of the thing like John Bones Jones did against Glover Teixeira, where she'd get the wizard or the overhook and really try to wrench on on the arm of Aldrich. And uh, the fight even went to the ground a couple of times, and Joe Rogan and all the guys were like, holy shit, oh no, Viana's ground game is next level, y'all. But J.J. Aldrich trains on a daily basis. She's one of the primary training partners of Thug Rose Namajunas. Rose is phenomenal on the ground. So she's used to dealing with these high-level competitors, especially in that scenario. And, I, you know, I, I kind of tuned out a little bit for this fight because I agree. I don't like that it was on the main card. But whatever, I guess. Aldrich deserved the decision. She had the longer strikes. She was hurting Viana a little bit on the feet with those long strikes. And she was able to ward off the takedown attempts and clinch work ground game from Viana, and there's that. Josh Sanchez says, Santos versus David Branch, a Jacare winner, or an injured fighter. Santos uh, just got knocked out by David Branch, and I think that fighting Jacare would be like too, too high on the rankings for him. So I don't, I don't agree on that one, Josh. Josh also says, Pollyanna Viana is still young. I told her to keep her chin up, but she already does that enough. Yeah, she wasn't defending the punches, and she just, you know, stood straight up and down. And, you know, like any woman with more power than J.J. Aldrich probably would have put her down. I don't like to speculate what's next for... Honestly, I don't like to speculate what's next for fighters who I, I don't care what's next for them. So what's next for J.J. Aldrich? I don't care. Whatever, whatever the UFC wants. I'm going to be one of those typical fighters in their post-fight. Whatever the UFC wants for me, that's what I'll take. Yay, yay in the win. I think that's that's what's next for J.J. Aldrich. Um, in an interview, well, no. Again, MMA junkie John Morgan said on the MMA Roadshow that Pat Barry, one of, one of J.J. Aldrich's coaches, said to call out Thug Rose just as a joke. She didn't do that, but yeah. Santos versus Theodoro versus Carlos Jr. winner. I feel like Santos... Has he already fought? No. I, I like my, my Brad Tavares matchmaking. Screw you guys if you don't like it. I'm not really. I'm just kidding. But I'm going to stick with that. 
moving on down the card, Pedro Munoz versus Brett the Pikey Johns. Really, really fun fight. If the co-main event doesn't get the fight of the night bonus, the extra 50 Gs to each guy, it's got to go to Munoz versus Brett Johns. In that bout, uh, these guys fought in the phone booth a lot. And uh, I don't feel like on occasion it was working out for Pedro Munoz, but yeah, I don't think it was working out a lot for Pedro Munoz because in, in the Rock'em Sock'em Robots type of his exchanges, Brett Johns was doing really well in those. He was seemed to be hurting Munoz a little bit, but in all er- other areas of the fight, Johns was not winning. Munoz uh, went with a front kick to the body that hurt and dropped Johns. Munoz was eating up, just eating the fucking lead left leg of Brett Johns alive. Hurt it so bad, Johns fell down on a couple of occasions. But when Munoz hurt Johns, he would go for a guillotine. He a, a couple of times he would go for some ground and pound to no avail. Just couldn't get there with it. Johns was doing a good job keeping him off of him. But the majority of the time when he would hurt Johns, Munoz would go for a guillotine choke at least three times, and Johns defended all of them. In the post-fight interview where Munoz won this fight 30-26, 29-28, 29-27, I thought it damn near could have been 30-25, given a 10-8 round in three in rounds two and three. But Munoz said that Brett Johns was the first person to ever defend his guillotine attempt. And MMA Grant says Johns is made out of solid granite. And MMA... Or Mc... Grant Gregory says that the fight was fucking fantastic. He didn't say fuck the F word, but I added it because it was really, really fun. Yunus won. Uh, it was it was a lot, a lot of fun. We could speculate what's next for him, uh, which was really neat that three of the fights on the prelim portion were bantamweight fights, and then, of course, the last two were in that world as well. So let's just look at the bantamweight rankings right quick and... Uh, just try to find... Munoz is ranked number 10. Above him is Aljamain the Funkmaster Sterling, who both of those guys already have... They have wins over the Pikey Johns. Uh, then above him is Dominic Cruz at number 8, I guess. John Hands of Stone Lineker. Jimmy Altera Rivera. You know what? Jimmy Has Jimmy fought Pedro Munoz? He already has, hasn't he? Uh, hold on a second. I gotta do some finagling. Yeah, Munoz lost a split decision to Jimmy Rivera back in 2015, so that's not an option. He just lost to John Dodson. Man, I know that these guys are just ranked right next to each other. Cody Stamen is fighting Aljamain Sterling. At UFC 228. Pedro has not fought Aljamain Sterling, right? Okay, I want Pedro Munoz versus the winner of Cody Stamen versus Aljamain the Funkmaster Sterling. What do you guys think? Or Rob Amon says, Rafael Sunsau. I suppose that's a doable fight as well. Eh. Anyway, matchmaking is not the most fun part about this post-fight show, so let's move on. We already talked about... Did I do a specific beer pairing for this card? Says MMA Grant. For the main and co-main, I did Fat Tire by New Belgium because there's two versions of it. There's the old version and a new version. There's the Fat Tire Amber Ale and the Fat Tire Belgian White or Wit Beer. So I paired those because the main and co-main were a fight that's been, but we've already seen, like the original Fat Tire. And then new version, same name. Kind of like the rematches here. Then for the rest of the card, I went with BFD by Sierra Nevada. Because it's a really plain beer. It's BFD stands for beer for drinking or big fucking deal, if you ask me. And so like the rest of the card beyond the main and co-main, maybe Hanato Mukano versus Cub Swanson, I kind of didn't give a fuck about. So the rest of the fight card, just g- generic kind of, kind of like that beer right there. And Josh says a Sunsal versus Munoz. I like the Whitbeer more too, Grant, but I like Whitbeers, period. So I'm a huge fan of Whitbeers. I got one that I need to bottle tomorrow, a homebrewed one. Uh, Hikardo Hamos versus Young Ho Kang. 
uh, Ramos won split decision 29-28, 28-29, 29-28. And this happened what seems like so long ago, i got to bring up my notes. Excuse me. Uh, Ramos, there was a point where Kang had some pretty good takedowns on Ramos in that fight. And, and there were times where Kang was, like, w- winning on my scorecard for the volume that he was throwing at Ramos. The first takedown that Kang hit, Ramos attempted a spinning back elbow that Kang just ducked under, grabbed the body lock, and got him to the ground. But Ramos got right back, right back up. He spent no time on the canvas at all. Toward the beginning of the second round, Kang caught a kick from Ramos and then kicked his other leg out from under him and got the fight to the mat there. Uh, Kang was doing some good ground and pound from guard, but Ramos swam under for a leg lock attempt. He didn't get it, but he did reverse the position. And then... On the feet, the more significant strikes and the more powerful flurries were coming from Ramos. And he would get Kang, or they were saying Kong, whatever. And would get Kong backed up to the fence and just unload on him. Um, and he was, like, really leaving an impression in my mind that he was getting a victory. But, yeah, Josh Sanchez gave the fight a big fucking deal. BFD. Oh, MMA Grant says the post-fight press conference is live, so I'll get close to wrapping up this this post-fight show. And then tomorrow I'm going to do a commercial brew day with Thunderhead Brewing out of Kearney, Nebraska. It's going to be sweet. And before that fight, Matt Sales versus Shaman Marais. Sales had trouble, uh, had a lot of trouble trying to take Marais down, and that was kind of the story of the fight. Basically, Marais was the more athletic person who was hitting with more thunder with more power and sales had trouble trying to get the fight where he needed to be on the ground they, the whole thing was talking about the, the guys in the broadcast booth were talking about sales needed to take down that would be his world um but every time sales would go for a takedown attempt just he, he could not do it Morais went for a flying knee or a flying attack in the second round and sales caught it went for a single leg but still couldn't get the fight to the ground uh Marais was throwing a ton of hard shots. He, my favorite strike, like I, I don't know, I really like this combination. You know, ripping hook to the body and then like a a wide right or an overhand right after that. And he was doing a lot of those that hit sales. But what a lot of people on Twitter were kind of mad about was Marais hit sales with three eye pokes. And there was one, I believe it was in the second round, clearly an eye poke. The referee said it was a punch. Keep fighting. And sales had trouble like recovering from it. Who knows if that really affected the fight. Uh, I don't really care. MMA Grant Gregory and... Uh, or Mick Grant Gregory, excuse me. And MMA Grant says DJ broke his foot in the first round. So, that's a interesting little tidbit. That's very fun because we thought that it was Henry Cejudo who had the, the ankle problem. But Johnson broke his foot in the first round. Anyway, let's continue on with this. Let's get the rest of these fights out of the way, and then we'll continue on. Jose Shorty Torres versus Alex Perez. I mean, I think that Torres should be 0-2 in the UFC now. He was really losing to to Brooks last time out. But anyway, from the very start of the fight, Perez was just wiling out. Fucking foot was, the gas pedal was all the way to the floor. The pedal was to the metal, and he never let his foot off the gas. He was in there just, he flurried at Torres the entire time. He landed 104 significant strikes in less than one round. He got the TKO victory toward the end there, and, uh, like, halfway through the round, it seemed like Perez was kind of slowing down, but then Perez uh, landed a couple of stepping in elbows that cut towards his face and then he he hurt him with a with a right hand after that and then it seemed to just like rejuvenate him and he picked the volume up again and got the the tko flurry uh torres does not a very good defense and his head is ginormous so it was an easy target for alex perez alex perez coming off of dana white's tuesday night contender series from last year's season is now three and oh in the ufc wow before that zhang weile defeated daniel taylor I didn't really watch that fight, so I'm not going to talk about it. Didn't take any notes, didn't really watch it, I'm sorry. And Marlon Chito Vera uh, defeated Waligi Burin with a body punch, body body punch and punches, says Wikipedia, TKO. Uh, 
there was at, at the, in the second round with seven seconds to go in the second round. Vera was obviously the more dangerous fighter in the striking, but he was doing the thing, like I said, uh, Demetrius Johnson, where he would really come in for a striking technique, for the combination. He would move forward a lot, but Burin would get in on the clinch and then work on some takedowns. And Vera kept doing it, throwing huge strikes, just like killer strikes, which resulted in him being clinched up a lot, and Burin would go for some takedowns. But with about a minute left to go in the second round, Vera attempted a flying knee, which Burin countered with a clinch, but Vera got double underhooks in that clinch and took Burin down with a body lock, inside trip takedown, that really turned the tide. And then when Burin got back to his feet, Vera ripped two left hooks to the body. The first one, as Daniel Cormier mentioned, was blocked by the arm of Burin. But then the next one, so he came at like a hook angle, but then the next one was like a shovel hook uppercut type of thing, got right in the liver, dropped Burin, and got that TKO finish. Huge victory from Marlon Chito Vera. Came in on short notice. He was the biggest favorite on the card, though, and he and he got the damn thing done. And that covers all of the fights that we, that all of them. We didn't talk about Zhang Welly versus Daniel Taylor. Uh, basically, that fight was, I'll talk about it for a second. Whaley was moving forward. She was hitting Taylor with the bigger strikes. Taylor would occasionally come in with, like, a jumping in left hook or an overhand right to close the distance because she was at a, a severe range disadvantage to, to Whaley. And and there's that. Whaley looked like a big strawweight, big, strong, tall. I mean, any fighter could look big next to Daniel Taylor, but Whaley looks like she's decently sized for this weight division. Let's start talking about our post-fight bonuses. I believe they've probably already been given out by the UFC, so I will pull them up as you start to tell me which ones you would give out, and then I will uh, tell you what my what mine were. I'm going to tell you what mine were before I find the real ones. Okay, so I'm going to give... You know, if you get a TKO stoppage in the first round of a main event title fight, I feel like you're getting an extra $50,000. That's just kind of guaranteed. So 50 Gs are going to TJ Dillashaw. Flyweight fight between Henry Cejudo and Demetrius Johnson, in my mind, was the fight of the night. Really exciting. It's butt puckering, heart racing type of action. Those guys are each getting $50,000. And, uh, Hinata Moicano, first round submission over Cub Swanson. I think he's got to get 50000 So there's like the, the, the four bonuses came in the top three fights for me, and I always give out one extra because I'm not actually giving anybody any money at all. I'm going to give one to Marlon Chito Vera because his daughter had been struggling with, she had a, some type of disability where she could not smile. Recently, they moved a muscle from a different part of her body, put it in her face so that she was able to smile. And just recently, Marlon Vera was able to see his daughter smile for the first time. That warms my heart. He got a fucking great finish. And I'm giving him an extra $50,000. Let's check out what the real ones were. Well, I'll try. what the hell? Why do they not have the performance bonuses out yet? Oh, here we go. Fight of the night, Cejudo Johnson. Easy. Performance of the nights went to TJ Dillashaw and Hanato Moicano. Knew it. Okay, we got him. Got him locked in. And back to your comments. Josh agreed that Cejudo DJ was performance or fight of the night worthy uh and he also gave performance bonuses to tj dillashaw moicano and chito vera ding 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 perfect uh rob amon says dillashaw get the ko of the night cejudo dj fight of the night moicano submission of the night munos johns deserves honorable mention yeah give those guys each ten thousand extra bucks you have the money the ufc give it to them Dave Kula says he knows that Cejudo DJ didn't get fired of the night, but it did. So They said at the press conference that DJ Cejudo didn't get fired of the night. Weird. Then why does it say it on Wikipedia? God dang it. I'm not leaving this post-fight show till we know the real bonuses. Why does Wikipedia say that? And But Josh says Dana White hasn't been at the podium yet. We don't... I don't know. Follow me on Twitter at FlyingBrianJ, and as soon as I know, I will tweet out the post-fight bonuses. What else do you guys want to talk about? The next UFC event is hashtag UFC Lincoln. Happens at the Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln, Nebraska. I, ooh, ooh, 
I will fucking be there. I've said the F word a lot on this show tonight. I apologize. That's really unprofessional. But I will be there for UFC Lincoln sitting in row 12, like directly on the cage. We got Justin the Highlight Gaethje versus James Vick. Love it. Main event. Featherweight fight before that. Michael the Menace Johnson versus Andre Touchy Feely. Love that as well. Courtney Casey versus Angela Overkill Hill. I like it. Uh, Andrew Sanchez versus Mark Perez. Eric Anders versus Tim Williams. James Krause versus Warley Alves. Love that shit. John Morag is going to get destroyed by Davison Figueredo, which I love that too. Hani Yaya versus Luke Sanders. That's going to be fun grappling exchanges. I like this card a lot. I'm super excited about it. Joanne Calderwood's going to be there. I'm probably going to meet her and like hear that her sweet little voice in person. Be a lot of fun. MMA Grant says Dana is here now. All right, let's check it out. Thanks for doing the simultaneous listening to me and them. Yeah, performance bonuses, Moicano and Dillashaw, Fight of the Night, DJ and Cejudo. Well, we already knew that, so you guys were lying to me. Ha ha! We got it. Anyway. Gaethje versus Vic gets a 5 out of 5 for him. You know what? Justin Gaethje has fought three times in the UFC. All three times he has won fight of the night. Sure, he's on a two-fight losing streak, but even if he loses here to James Vic, we don't cut this man. A guy that has fight of the night in three consecutive UFC appearances... The only three he's ever had in his career are, like I like saying, butt puckering, heart racing, nonstop action. You keep this guy around. I'm super looking forward to uh, Justin Gaethje versus James Vick. Absolutely fantastic main event for a, a fucking fight card in the middle of nowhere, USA. Just so happens that I'm going to be there. So that's, that's really a lot of fun. Though I won't be doing a post-fight show for that card. But you can expect like a lot of videos from me between now and that fight card because it's the only other fight card that's happening in August, which is kind of strange, right? So we've got that fight card, and then the next one after that is UFC 228, Woodley vs. Till, happening in Dallas, Texas. I think that does it for the show, guys. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel. I will turn this video into a podcast form. I'll turn the mp4 into an mp3 and upload it uh, just search for flying brian show wherever you find your podcast itunes soundcloud not soundcloud itunes stitcher podcast addict all those you can find the flying brian show because the mma mania doesn't have one right now so i'm moving the shows to my own personal one you can find it there but yeah subscribe to the channel thumb the video up because i know a ton of people are going to be thumbing the video down when they find it the, they look for the post fight show and they see my ugly mug sitting here talking to a bunch of commenters. But, you know, that's why I need your thumbs up to counter the guys that are going to come later and give me a shitload of thumbs down. Anyway, thanks for being here, guys. MMA Grant, uh, Grant Gregory, Josh, Josh Sanchez. I always have trouble saying your name, man. Rob Amon, Dave Kula. Uh, I know there was Ryan here for a while. Anyway, thanks a lot, guys. I'll see you later on. Namaste. Peace out, y'all.